you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. What's up, everybody? Before you get to your podcast episode, here's what's coming up on the latest Move the Sticks podcast here, DJ and Bucky. Uh, we're going to break down every NFL game, got top questions, and then we're also going to look to the college slate to see who can come up with the right picks, make sure I get back to the league. Yeah, college football, NFL football, we've got you covered on Move the Sticks. Download on iTunes as well as NFL.com slash podcast. Check out our videos on YouTube. Taylor's first pass, way down the field, and it is caught 84 yards for the touchdown. First and goal. Welcome back to the Around the NFL podcast. That was the Jets scoring touchdowns after touchdowns on Thursday Night Football. This is Greg Rosenthal. I'm with Chris Wessling, and we're going to get to the big show previewing week two with Dan Hansis and Mark Sessler in just a few minutes. But Wes, let's talk about these Jets. Ryan Fitzpatrick played so well that he inspired a headline on ESPN that says he had a Namath-esque performance. Are you impressed? Absolutely impressed. Uh, you referenced heat check. To me, he was like a three-point shooter with a spit spot in basketball. <laughs> you keep going right back to that spot, keep chucking it up until you cool down. He's throwing downfield to Decker and Marshall. And your boy, Quincy Anunwa. Oh, my gosh. And these guys are killing Ronald Darby and Stephon Gilmore, allegedly one of the better cornerback tandems in the NFL. Anunua has been a revelation through the preseason and now into the regular season. He's built like a tight end. They kind of cover him like a tight end, and you can't cover him. And he looks legit, and suddenly you have three receivers now that are physical. You oh, might... and Fat Forte, who's essentially a receiver, that's four. That That's a great point, and Fitzpatrick, I think I'd have to go back. And look, I got to think this was his best game as a Jet. Well, I'll give you a stat. Okay. 
he had 10 completions of at least 15 yards, which is the third most of any quarterback in the last 10 years. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. You do not see quarterbacks go down the field over and over and over again. Well, he's got a weak arm relative to other franchise quarterbacks, but they saw they said a stat on the game cast tonight that he threw the second most, second most deep passes in the NFL last year. And he was accurate and this was partly about coaching and game planning and him recognizing what the Bills were doing, not really giving their cornerback safety help and taking advantage. But the Jets' offense, to me, has looked good through two weeks overall. They racked up almost 500 yards in this game. They moved the ball on the Bengals. They dominated up front in the running game against Cincinnati. This time they gave Fitzpatrick great pass protection. If you're Dan Hansis and you're a Jets fan, I mean, you got to feel great. After this performance, you go from the second quarter where you're feeling like this could be a season ending injury to Brandon Marshall. Mm, and point. I saw Dan replied to somebody on Twitter who asked, are the playoffs hopes dead if Brandon Marshall is out for the year? <laughs> Dan had no qualification, no hesitation, just yes, playoff hopes are dead. And Brandon Marshall, thank the football gods if you're a Jets fan. He misses only a handful of plays, comes jogging back from the locker room, and immediately right out onto the field when it, everyone assumes his knee is blown up. And and he came back. He made some catches. I You know, their defense was better than the final score indicated. The game should not have been this close. It was fluky that it was so close. And I think Rex Ryan, after the game, knew it. And Rex gets particularly depressed when his defense is the reason that they lose. And he was really down after the game. He just kind of said, you know, we I thought we could cover him. I thought our guys could cover him. He told the CBS uh, halftime reporter on the sideline, Tracy Wolfson, that he has, you know, the best cornerback duo in the league. And it's one of those things. He said it so much that he just believes it, that it can't not be true. And he doesn't help these guys out. He doesn't adjust. And it's like he had no other move. That's supposed to be the strength of his defense with Marcel Darius uh, suspended, Mario Williams in Miami, and Kyle Williams not what he was a few years ago. And they got – I think Fitzpatrick was 13 of 19 for 226 and a touchdown against those two cornerbacks. I mean, they have Jerry Hughes. He looks good. They have Kyle Williams. But otherwise, they have too many replacement-level guys on this defense. Zach Brown, Lorenzo Alexander, who's played well at times. And Rex, after the game, maybe knowing that Arizona in New England was ahead, he just seemed so down. And this quote really got me. He said, I was afraid to pressure because we weren't holding up. And hearing Rex Ryan say he was afraid to do anything defensively tells you this is not a normal 0-2 team to me. This is an 0-2 team with major injury problems. Sammy Watkins not on the field. The the defense is incomplete. And there's the whole specter of his job and, and the general manager's job. We said throughout August that this team had a chance of cratering because they have no depth. And if you, if you have an injury to Sammy Watkins, this could be a lingering season-long injury. He told Tracy Wolfson before the game tonight, it's a pain management issue. Mm. Two catches for 20 yards. He's not on the field for the last two Bills drives. And this offense is done without him. He's their franchise right. player. They have no existent wide receiver depth at all. This offense is in a world of hurt without him. Yeah, Tyrod Taylor, to me, has looked shaky in both weeks. I know he had a couple of big plays, but he hasn't been making quick decisions. I don't I don't think you can survive the way they did tonight week after week. Uh, so that's a big problem, and they know they know they're not as good. I mean, the Jets were a much much better team. They're in a division with the Patriots. 
If you see the box score tomorrow morning, it's incredibly misleading for the Bills' offense. Tyrod Taylor, like you said, took too long, did not make great decisions in the pocket, and his stats are padded by a 71-yard play to Greg Salas on Greg Salas when he left the pocket. <coughs> Excuse me, and the long touchdown to Marquise Goodwin that Darrell Revis got burned on. Yeah, not that was probably the one downside for the Jets was Revis giving up that touchdown. But on a night where. Uh you know, the I know we don't bring baseball. And on the night where the Yankees lost uh, a game with a couple outs in the ninth, and that hurt Dan Hansis, uh, he texted me after this Jets win for once. And we don't have Keith Hansis on this week. We're, we're going to have him back. But in the absence of Keith, I'm going to read Dan's text. For once, it is the Jets that save my sanity. I love them and want to hold them forever. <laughs> Good so for Dan. That. Great news for the Jets and uh, great news for Dan because he's going to host the rest of this show. Let's send it over to him. The Around the NFL podcast is going to start a revolution from its bed. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by a room filled with heroes. Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What's up, boys? Hey, Dan. What you just heard was Wes and uh, Greg, the scientists, breaking down Thursday night football between the Jets and Bills. This is being recorded before that. So I, in a, in a healthy thing for the podcast, have no idea if it went good or bad. I could be even keeled. I so. can only imagine if they don't win tonight what this podcast would have been like. And I'm wondering <laughs> if we should have done that maybe. I want to thank you guys, by the way. We are on uh, video in some form on YouTube. They, they chopped this up and put it on YouTube. I believe on NFL Now, perhaps. Yeah, you can search for it on YouTube if you just search for Around the NFL. Mm-hmm. And I just... You guys all dress like investment bankers on Casual Friday today. <laughs> this is all wearing nice collared shirts, very uh, reputable whites. Look, Congratulations! Wh- How is it different? Why than is you? this How our fault? No, I'm not saying like I have the coolest outfit, but you guys are—you look like you work for the same inf- investment firm. That's all I'm saying. I see what you're doing. You're positioning yourself as kind of like the edgy, fun guy. And hey, I ride the end around. It's, yeah, it's I'm not cool. It's, it's not working. It's not even working remotely. <laughs> you just came in with a lower tier shirt. That's your issue. Um, listen, <laughs> just because you cl- closed the Johnson merger and you're feeling good about yourself. I wish you I did. put it down on me. You see just my checking you, account? I wish I did. Just because you picked your shirt out of Sully's closet full of fishing shirts. <laughs> leave us alone. Oh. It's a solid shirt. It's good. You guys are dressed like nerds. Today is the Thursday edition, late Thursday edition of the Around the NFL podcast. Um, we have no sponsor, and I don't expect one to materialize any soon, anytime soon. Uh, there's just zero support uh, for this endeavor. But I'll tell you what, it doesn't matter because we got the support of our listeners. Like I said, our best, um, most downloaded show ever on Sunday. More success on our Tuesday show. And we want to thank you, everyone, for listening to us and supporting the show and leaving comments on iTunes. You guys are the best. And today is our week two preview podcast and i like to look at this podcast guys as this is the last week of purity uh <laughs> entering sunday because after this sunday there's going to be some teams that are zero and two and most of those fan bases know what that means you probably stink or you're not very good <laughs> but if you get out of week two with a win and even after a loss in week one you're one and one you're in the mix you're a game out at the worst and you're in the wild card mix but right now everybody's flying high Nothing could go wrong right now. We're okay. Is the Fork Committee meeting this year? Mm. 
That's another segment that got forked. Hmm. The fork. We used to fork. I like the fork. Decided. Yeah, well, I think we could we could talk some. To yeah, Greg, are we allowed to have that segment? It's not up to me. <laughs> it's up to the people. 97% hey, of our segments, Greg goes, no, let's not do this anymore. He is cleaning this show up big yeah. time to the point where all we do is, you know, preview offensive line versus defensive line tendencies. Great By the stream. way, the, the Rams did not make it out of week one with any purity. So <laughs> theirs ended after one week. There's a theory floating around the Twitterverse that Greg is purposely sabotaging all these segments and get re- getting rid of them so he can bring RJVP back as a better podcast than ours. Wow. Really? That is a theory out what, there. What is RJVP? I don't know. Oh, see, that the reference went over my head. <laughs> Never heard of it. Yeah. Uh, anyway, is that a real theory out there? I saw it. Did Greg there. float this thing? This is the first <laughs> I've heard of it. It sounds pretty ridiculous. Uh, so, yes, this is a time of hope in the NFL. Not for much longer, though. But for now, all the teams believe in themselves. And that's something to be excited about. So we're going to go through all the games. So uh, the Thursday night game is in the rearview mirror. So that means there are 15 games. 30 teams. <laughs> you'd think you'd have that part <laughs> memorized by now. That one is the tough one. It's 15. <laughs> Sometimes I think, do I divide the 15 by two? And then I'm at seven and a half. And I'm like, whoa, that's not right. I think you've given us a window into just how awful you are at math. <laughs> well, I don't know if I've mentioned this. I got a 39 once on a state-mandated math test. New York. Anyway, so we got 15 games to talk about, and uh, I'm excited to do it. So let's get into it, guys. We'll start in the order in which they're played. We'll start with the 1 p.m. games. And why don't we start in the NFC East, gentlemen, Uh, a game between the Dallas Cowboys and Washington Redskins. Uh, The two, two teams coming off. Uh, different types of losses in week one. The Cowboys played a very tight game with the Giants that they kind of let slip away. A terrible clock management mistake at the end by Terrence Williams, but it was no given that they were going to pull that game out anyway. It was a very tight game uh, that went against the Cowboys. The Redskins, on the other hand, are uh, on a short week after a really embarrassing loss, I thought, almost at that level. Uh, uh, to the Steelers at home where Kirk Cousins did not look good. So I guess that's what I'm looking This is a quarterback matchup for me. I want to see if the Cowboys um, with Dak Prescott can actually score some points, get Des Bryant involved, do some things, uh, see if Ezekiel Elliott can get going. So I'm looking at their whole offense. And then, uh, Wes, on the Redskins side of it, Kirk Cousins, is he going to be in that scary, ugly zone that he was in week one, or is it just a bad game that he had? What do you think? Well, I think you can get right against the Dallas defense, which uh, in, a, in a matchup against the Giants offensive line that everybody ex- assumed would be a major weak spot, mm-hmm. guys like Marshall Newhouse, who's been the worst right tackle in the NFL the past couple of years, were absolutely sh- pitching shutouts against Dallas's defensive line. So Kirk Cousins should have plenty of time to find Jordan Reed, Deshaun Jackson, who looks as explosive as ever, Pierre Garçon, maybe even Josh Doxson. Yeah, I agree. All the concerns about the Cowboys' defense going into this season, I think, showed up against the Giants. I know it was only 20 points, but you looked around the field and you thought, 
Where are the plays coming from for this Cowboys defense? Where is the pass rush? They got pushed around in the running game against the Giants. As you mentioned, uh, not a great offensive line there. And I I just thought, like, is this Cowboys team really set up to win with offense with Dak Prescott as their quarterback? Like, are they really going to be ready to win some shootouts? So I think that's the type of games they're going to get into. Yeah, I mean, their best defense right now is their offense. The way they played in the first half when they controlled the clock for 22-plus minutes, that's the formula in Dallas until you get some of these suspended players back. But they only had one play out of 75 that went for 20-plus yards, which goes against a little bit what we saw in the preseason where Prescott showed great chemistry with Des Bryant. We all know what happened there. I think a big part of it is Des Bryant is the best player on the field. you got to get him involved. Jason Witten seems to be the security blanket for for Dak Prescott right now. I like what I saw out of Dak Prescott, but everyone needs to back off about how good he looked. They, They averaged five yards per attempt. In the fourth quarter, he went six for 17 for 66 yards. So they had a disastrous fourth quarter, and the offense reminded me a little bit of what it looked like with Brandon Whedon, which is a whole lot of six- and seven-yard passes, 14 throws to Jason Witten for 64 yards. So that is inefficient and boring. That is not what Cowboys fans want to hear because if you remember, now it seems like forever ago, but three weeks ago the Cowboys thought they had the the greatest of all luxuries, which was a veteran star quarterback and then this young hotshot that could take over at any time. Now we need to see him actually play like a hotshot. It's still his first NFL game against – I think a Giants defense yeah. that a number of people probably thought, oh, the Giants are just going to be last year's Giants, and their defense is much improved. Now, again, I, everyone now, the thing is in Washington, you know, <sighs> Breland and Josh Norman coming off a pretty awful game as a defense. You know, Breland is still a very good cornerback, and this is going to be a bigger test, I think, through the air than, the, than for Dallas than it was even last week. They need to take the reins off of Dak Prescott against the Redskins defensive line that got worse over the offseason. Yeah, All right. I don't like this Redskins defense either. Could be a lot of points here. Let's move on, gentlemen. Let's uh, move to the AFC North, uh, a game at First Energy Field, Mark. I thought it was Cleveland Browns Stadium. What happened with that? Well, you know, you're you are the one that likes to throw out the stadium naming quizzes. Uh, I thought keep this, on been, his toes. Yeah, it's been First Energy for a number of years. I will acknowledge nothing has happened there to grab your attention. <laughs> All right. So anyway, it is the home opener uh, for the Browns, and they face yes, the hated Ravens, uh, a team that comes in at one and zero after uh, shutting down Rex Ryan's uh, Bills uh, in Week One in Baltimore. So now we have a game uh, for the Browns where Josh McCown will be a quarterback. Do you think Mark McCown will make this a better offense? I think he does. I think that we've talked since the beginning of training camp that, you know, we had we suspected that McCown was the better court all-around quarterback than RG3 and I I think that he is. You know, it, it, this is a different team than last year's Browns team, but he threw for 457 yards against the Ravens last season early in the year and had a productive game late in the year before he got injured. The, McCown knows how to run an NFL offense and he's shown that on multiple teams. For me though, I look at Baltimore and what they can do against Cleveland's defense. The Eagles controlled the ball for almost 40, yard, 40 minutes of the game last week, and that was not a fluke. That is how things are going to play for this defense if the, off, if the Cleveland's offense can't stay on the field. I think Baltimore has some of the better weapons for Joe Flacco than he's had in years, going back to the Super Bowl year. Throughout the offseason and, and even in the preseason, we said that the Ravens probably have as wide a range of outcome as any team in the league, and they have more questions that need to be answered than any team. In week one, they answered almost all of those questions. They had a pass rush. They were in Tyrod Taylor's face all game. 
they had a plan for Tyrod Taylor. You would have thought Sharice Wright is the best tackling cornerback <laughs> in the NFL. That was an insane game. Zach Orr looks like an upgrade on Daryl Smith at inside linebacker. Brashad Perryman and Mike Wallace are making plays down the field. Terrence West got more than what was blocked in the backfield. Justin Forsett looked good. And I think their offensive line, which is starting two rookies on the left side, had a pretty good game. I think the Ravens look like a much better team than we expected. I, I agree. But I want to see them against a real offense. I don't know if that's really going to happen this week. They showed that they can dominate a guy that they know about, Tyrod Taylor. He didn't know where the pressure was coming from. They just kept sending and sending. Terrell Suggs didn't look good in that game. Steve Smith didn't look good in that game. So that's two key guys they want to come around and look healthy coming off of uh, their injury. Steve Smith didn't look like a liability. No, no. It was really just running shorter routes than he usually did. He did make one nice catch uh, that went out of bounds. And it's like – they're still figuring their team out. They're splitting their wide receiver reps five ways pretty evenly. Chris Moore played a lot in that game. They're splitting their running back reps. They're splitting their tight end reps. It's like they're, they're just going to find enough players as they go. I think they're going to figure it out this week because, you know, Wentz last week in his first NFL game, a, a perfect passer rating on any pass that was 10-plus yards through the air, and you saw it You saw it on two touchdown passes and, and play after play. This is a good setup for Joe Flacco. Right? I, have a, I have a question for uh, a guy who was honking last week, a guy by the name of Gary Barnage. Was, compl- was complaining hey. I, in this very studio after the game about his last. I got targeted reps. twice with no uh, zero catches. Well, maybe catch the ball. Well, it's his fault. Two, we we pointed two that out. Drops for Gary. Hey, man. Early in the game too. Everybody, raise your hand in this room if you're perfect. <laughs> raise your hand. That's what I man. thought. Oh, whatever, Greg. Whatever. What accent was that? Whatever. What you don't understand? It's like we got bunched. The pressure I face. Did a lot of pressure being a, a Jagger Browns right player now. on a team that's going to be on 1 p.m. for the rest of time. <laughs> I never know where that accent's going to go. That went it went Mick Jagger there. I don't. <laughs> Did anyone watch the Ravens and think? Oh, I, I Can didn't we re- move on? By the I way, realized, Do we have I to didn't, I didn't realize how much I missed Joe Flacco. It's good to see Joe. I didn't Flacco. miss I Joe Flacco. Joe that's Flacco your own personal thing. feelings. <laughs> Making some throws. Moving on, the Tennessee Titans. One of the nominees as the team of ATL. Very important game for them as they now travel to Detroit. Uh, a disappointing week one loss, as we know, and we've talked about. And now they get a Detroit team that looked positively frisky uh, in uh, their season opening win. Chris Wessling, a Detroit team that when you look at what they've done um, under Jim Bob Cooter, and I'll tell you something, guys. I'll tell you something. I like this Cooter. Coots. I like Cooter. Head coach uh, candidate. Noted. Maybe if this keeps going. <laughs> Head coach Jim Bob Cooter. Why not? I mean, if they keep going, if it was this anyone else, SEC, he would Greg. get some buzz. Okay. Let me finish my point. I like this Cooter. But is Matthew Stafford finally coming into his own? And isn't that very bad news for the Titans if he is? Good question. This offense, Kurt Warner named Matthew Stafford as top quarterback of week one on total access. I can see that. And Theo Riddick and Amir Abdullah look like the most dynamic backfield tandem in the league against the Colts defense that can't tackle. I think the question is, if you believe the Lions offense is better without Calvin Johnson, will that show up against the Titans defense in which, led by Jarrell Casey, dominated the line of scrimmage against the Vikings? I think if you're excited about watching the Titans each week, like you are, Christopher West, Absolutely. You have to be excited. Topher. To see this matchup on the schedule in week two. Now, the Lions are probably excited to see Tennessee as well. But if you wanted a defense to get right against after what was ultimately a meltdown in the second half 
uh, for Tennessee last week. This is the right matchup for Tennessee to do their things and really control the line of scrimmage themselves. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, they gave it. They gave it. I mean, they could not stop the Colts at at all in the second half of that game. It's one thing to stop a 33 year old Frank Gore behind a a run blocking offense like the Colts, and it's another to stop. You know, you can make fun of exotic Smash Mouth, but I think you're going to see a lot more Derrick Henry in this game. DeMarco Murray, to me, looked every bit as good as he did in 2014 last week. I think it's fair to look at the Titans and say, you're both your running backs, DeMarco Murray, Henry, and Tajay Sharp, a big part of your passing game, and your quarterback have barely played together. It's going to take a little bit of time for this to gel. I, Greg, you pointed out on Sunday night, and I think this was, you know, watching the game closely, this was correct. When they got down... The Titans had no way to climb out of that. And it wasn't just that. When the mistakes started to happen, they seemed to completely implode. You know, Mariota threw a third pick that was called back by penalty. Mariota had a men- mental meltdown. It really was. And, I, again, I, I'm not going to judge fully on the Titans on that, but but this is a team that is going to need to come from behind in certain games. Jarrell Casey looked awesome, but their defense is not a top-five defense. They were – you're not going to win games by keeping the lead the whole time. The, ad- the exotic stuff didn't work. The Vikings were ready for it, and they're a great athletic defense that maybe were, were ready for it. But every time they went to one of the crazy formations, they were fun to watch. But a lot of times they were drive killers. Even in the I thought it half. worked in the. Fr- I thought I thought it, it, they have a, it, they I have think a the Vikings caught up a, to it quick. They have a third and one with a fake, you know, jump. Uh, you know, into the line by Mariota, and he pitches it back, and there's four Vikings waiting there for, for Derrick Henry that kills the first. The Vikings drive. did a great job under Zimmer of adjusting to halftime. That's Is what it, they really did. From the, the avenue of common sense, when you spend your offseason talking about how you're exotic, doesn't that give defenses, tip them off, that you're going to be doing some well, exotic things? In Mike Malarkey's defense, he mentioned exotic smash mouth as what the Steelers ran in 2001. Right. He didn't say <laughs> the Titans are going to be exotic smash mouth. He said they're going to be smash mouth. So I mean, why do we say p- that all the time? Because, because, because like everything else in the NFL. Right. right. It got true. picked when up. And when they followed up with him, he's explained it a lot of times. I mean, he, he's he explained, explained it well. Right. And he said, I was talking about the Steelers, not the Titans. So the Titans don't run an exotic smash mouth. No, they run a smash mouth. But you can call it exotic if you think that all these trick plays are what makes it exotic. Well, there, there's a lot of form, not a lot, but a lot of formations with Derrick Henry and DeMarco Murray on the field at the same time, once with Marcus Mariota not even on the field. I mean, they, they were But essentially what they are almost over and over was six, seven guys up at the line. One thing to watch in this game, the Titans have made it clear they want Delaney Walker a lot more involved than he was last week. And the Lions struggled a little bit with Dwayne Allen and Jack Doyle, I believe, scored two mm. touchdowns. He was getting doubled last week. How many people put in a lot of money in auction leagues for Jack Doyle. Will it pay off? We don't know. Probably not. History tells <laughs> it's me not gonna pay off. the Jack Doyle types usually burn you on your uh, auction. I hope no one put out any money. That's in a rookie it. move. Uh, all right, moving on. This will be our first game of the week between two uh, undefeated teams, the Kansas City Chiefs off a thrilling comeback. Uh, by the way, not just any comeback. That was the greatest comeback in the history of the Kansas City Chiefs wow. coming down uh, down three scores uh, to beat the Chargers, rip the Chargers' hearts out, uh, and now they travel to Houston to face uh, the Texans, who, um, you know, almost as if they, they, they want to will me to some sandwiches. They turn Lamar Miller into a workhorse that he's never been, and he mostly responded, and the offense looked okay. Greg, now they get the Chiefs in their building. Are they going to get to 2-0, you think? I do think that they'll win this game, and I do wonder how tough a matchup this is. We think of the Chiefs' defense. We think they're great. They did not play great in week one overall, I would say. And 
they do are missing some of their best players. So I, I want to see. It's a team that's responding. But I'm excited to watch it because the Texans, more than any team, are more fun to watch this year than they were a year ago. Talk about your team of ATL sleepers right here. Mm, yes, they've they got are. Lamar Miller for Dan. They've got Will Fuller for Mark. They've got Jadevian Clowney for Greg. That's true. It was we a like str- Bill O'Brien. It was a yeah, strong we week for Jadevian Clowney Nation. I mean, he was looking good last week, and they're aggressive. I want to see what Osweiler does when he's so aggressive against a better defense because I, I think the Bears ultimately. I have a question. Important. How did J.J. Watt look? He, when you guys looked at tape, he, didn't he look looked like, like a non-factor. I think he needs another week. He, I mean, a, which is never the case, right? He's not himself. Clearly, he's never come off this many surgeries in the off season, too. I mean, it's it's you well, know the fact I mean. that he was out there at all was pretty remarkable. Right, it's something to watch. Yeah. Is this going to last a month? Is it going to last no yeah, more he, time at all? Is it going to last half a season? Well, but he's still going to cause you know offenses to have to pay attention to him and think about him. So that's an asset well, in itself. With JJ Watt at way less than peak form. The Texans were in Jay Cutler's mug the entire second half. Who, a little uh, pop quiz. Who is the defensive player of the week in the AFC this week? Whitney Merciless? Whitney Merciless. I mean, when you have guys like Whitney Merciless and Bernardrick McKenney showing up as your two best defensive players, then suddenly you start thinking, man, this Texans defense is, is deep. Uh, in, a, in a major upset when I went to watch Game Pass, the Texans were the most fun team to watch. Wow. They left a lot of yards and points on the field in this game, this should have been a blowout. Will Fuller missed a pass over the middle that was a perfect throw from Brock Osweiler. DeAndre Hopkins dropped a touchdown in tight coverage. This could have been a 35-14 to 14 game or something. I think that's another example of you're talking about a quarterback and receivers that have never been in a real game together. It's going to take time. Will Fuller, he's going to give you those drops. We knew that about him. But he made up for it, too. I think he is a fascinating player. And you want to talk about one game from last year where you take the game tape and just burn it and throw it out a window. It's that wild card game. This is a completely different operation. And the Chiefs are going to have a lot more to deal with. You know, you're not going to have Brian Hoyer thrown to, you know, New Hopkins and nobody else. This is a much more interesting offense at this point with weapons. come around a little bit on Brock Osweiler? I am. I, I want to see him against other, other teams. I think if you own DeAndre Hopkins or Fuller, you got to like that. He's not afraid to just let them make a play. Like, they can be covered, and he throws it to him, which is a really good sign. Yeah, he'll test it downfield. He's going to try to make throws in tight windows. He does have a long delivery, which could come back to haunt him. But I think if you're a Texans fan, you have to love what you saw out of Osweiler. And and everything we said about Alex Smith and the Chiefs' offense took them some time to get going. But the the, the reality is they made the biggest comeback in team history. So all the good things we thought about the Chiefs' offense and and Spencer Ware, they came through. This is a, a much, much tougher test. For the Texans. No. When, when do they trade Jamal Charles? <laughs> I'm not kidding <laughs> because be fun, it's like but... you could get a lot for Jamal Charles and your offense statistically has been much better without him. Well, I would be a little – if we were honestly talking about a trade, I'd be a little bit nervous why he's not playing right now coming off a second knee injury and he's almost 30 years old. The other team would have to probably be, you know, snowed under with some, mm. you know, pills and alcohol. <laughs> Call up uh, – We'll watch for that. Let's see if the Chiefs pass rush shows up this week. They didn't show up last week. I'm now making an eternal list of the GMs and owners yeah. that would be most likely to be snubbed under uh, with illicit I substances. wouldn't verbalize I, the, I, those. I, those I thought show. of one immediately, but I'm just going to keep it to myself. Very smart. Let's move on, gentlemen, and talk about um, – hell, let's head to the throne of sleaze. Let's just do it. Where the New England Patriots are in their home opener – uh, they, the friendly confines of the mall in New England um, where they meet the Miami Dolphins coming off, let's face it, uh, a crushing week one loss because it's one thing to get beat by a team that's better than you. And the Seahawks, 
are better than you. But when you have a chance to steal a game on the road like that and you let it get away, then on top of it, you got to get on a plane and fly back to your headquarters and then train to go up to the mall uh, uh, in Foxborough. And it's just like now you're kicking yourself because there's a good chance this game you're 0-2, Greg, after this, and you should, should at least have one win. Is that too pessimistic about the Dolphins? Well, you should. I mean, you've you've declared your vengeance against the Patriots. I found it interesting that you requested to watch this game, even though you said you don't want them to be involved. That's in the called NFL. scouting the enemy. <laughs> I have intrigued. declared vengeance against the New England Patriots. You're still intrigued. I, mean, I ain't afraid of you, big brother. Well, you know who shouldn't be afraid of them? The Miami Dolphins defense. This team has split with the Patriots three straight years. No team... It's mystical, but no team gives Bill Belichick more problems than the Dolphins, other than Denver, I guess, would be the one other team. And this defense, if you want to spin it positive for Miami, had great, great signs in week one. Cameron Wake came back and looked like Cameron Wake as a situational pass rusher. Kiko Alonso looked like his 2014 self. Uh, they signed Abdul Kadus as their safety, and Rashad Jones and Abdul Kadus were easily the best safety combination in that game, they were better than Earl Thomas and Cam Chancellor. So their defense on on paper and on the field last week looks like it could go from about 25th in the league to a top 10 type of group. Whoa. Whoa. That's why you Adam, That's why you hire Adam Gase so that your defense shoots well, up the chart. It's not <laughs> about the offense. Credit Vance Joseph, who the Broncos and Gary Kubiak wanted to hire away from the Bengals last year, and the Bengals wouldn't let him go. Dolphins got him this year, and Kiko Alonso was a revelation. Right. That makes their defense different because you think of him as a weakness last year, and now if he's a strength at what's a pretty pretty bad linebacker group, then suddenly that trade everyone killed old uh, Mikey T for. Mikey T's well, feeling pretty good. All his offseason right. They killed it because Alonzo, he was not healthy and he had not shown anything to do with the way he was as a rookie in Buffalo. If he can be that kind of a player, it is not just a good trade. It's a great trade. I think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to struggle more this week. I think it's going to be – a closer, tough game that's going to be a one-score game in the fourth quarter. I think this sort of Patriots team is built to to try to win these close games, kind of like they used to do. Today, by the way, is September 15th, the first day, oddly, because it starts in the middle of the month, Latino Heritage Month. Picture Kiko Alonso in our huddle cafe, a hero to the community. (laughs) It's the Ides of September, Dan, a perfect time for your Game of Thrones-style Attack on the throne of Sleaze. <laughs> very good, very good. Uh, other thoughts about this game, gentlemen. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo, who – how good was Jimmy Garoppolo really in week one? Was he legitimately, whoa, this guy is the answer good, or do you need to see more from him? He's better than I expected, and I think he controlled that short passing game well. I still think there's some question on how he deals with pressure. When he had time to throw, he was money. I mean, let's not forget that Rob Gronkowski was not in the lineup and that would change everything for this offense. I mean, I think if you put Jimmy G into another team. Jimmy G. That's that's what we're calling him now. Yeah. Well, that type of iconic athlete. He's That's who he is, man. Also, Garoppolo is not a fun name to say. It's it's long. It's winding. It's a bit tedious on the mouth. So you say Jimmy G. That's where I'm going with that. Phrasing. But I mean, honestly, like I, I, if he were on um, another phrasing. team starting where he was, I don't think he would have gotten that kind of a start in New England. They, they do this over and over. It doesn't matter what position group and what's happening in New England or who's injured. They seem to perform. I don't know if we're going to see Gronk, by the way. Uh, the Providence Journal reported today, Thursday, that he did not look close to 100 percent on the practice field. Uh, and you get the feeling, especially and that's why, again, why I was so bummed out that they they stole that week one win that. 
they have a little – they could have some room to play with here. Now, even if they lost this game, and if you give – if that means Gronk gets another week to get healthy, I got a feeling they might play it's house safe. money we'll is what it is. is. The yeah. Patriots are careful with their players. They, they don't let players – uh, go back a week early in general. They're, they're going to keep them out an in, in extra week. And, and the reason they should feel that they can still win this game is the Dolphins' offense, for all the excitement that Adam Gase brought, looked look like it did last year. Looked oh. like a team where Ryan Tannehill's not going to elevate what's what's around him. Let- and the Patriots have a defensive star in Chris Long Woo! who lined Woo! up all over the front seven. He played some inside linebacker, some outside linebacker, some defensive tackle, some defensive end. I had him with two sacks. I think he only had one officially. He looked like, outside of Jamie Collins, their best defensive player. What's going on with their other star, uh, Barkevius Mingo? Special <laughs> teams. <laughs> Mark was thrilled. Uh, I was not thrilled. To- I am just tired of the hot take machine. Speaking of hot, you, there's, well, a lot, you, there's a lot of sweat on your upper brow. I know right it's now. hot. Well, you came. You to got me, the vapors. You came to me on Monday confirming what happened to Mingo because he didn't play at all. Special didn't teams get a, didn't get a snap on defense. Uh, and bully to Chris Long and the Patriots on their great acquisition. <laughs> Let's move on. The New Orleans Saints, zero and one. Tough loss in Week One. Now they travel to the Meadowlands to face the New York Giants, who uh, are one and zero after a win over Big D. And here is, we were just talking about it. Maybe the Giants aren't such a pushover on D. Maybe the free agency makeover uh, has made a difference. At least in week one, it looked good. But again, you're facing a, a rookie quarterback with uh, how to have jitters and the, the, the Dallas offense wasn't quite right. Uh, but now you get a New Orleans offense that looked great in week one. So this will be a real test to me on how much the Giants have improved on the defensive side of the ball, Chris Wesley? I think it should be. Yeah, I think they looked fantastic in week one. A lot better than I expected. The defensive line, Olivier Vernon and Snacks Harrison, Jason Pierre-Paul. I think Pro Football Focus had Pierre-Paul and Olivier Vernon with five hurries apiece, mm. which is a pretty big game. for. Any Vernon. tackles for JPP? Get that it's big old mitt? He had a few. It doesn't have the big club. He's looking uh, better. Jonathan Hank. I mean, Snacks made a difference. Uh, when you're that's winning, unkind. When you're winning your share of battles against the Cowboys' offensive line, you're doing something right. Snacks. That's a painful loss for the Jets. I think also. Oh, really? Because my defensive line really floundered without him in Week One. <laughs> Next point. Pretty good. Every team that plays the Saints until they prove otherwise is going to be hoisted up as the offensive fantasy, you know, hodgepodge for the week. Just take anyone on this team. And honestly, after what we saw against Dallas, even New York's ground game, which I thought was pretty good down the stretch against the Cowboys late, they kind of hammered that game and ended it. What can you not do against the Saints at this point? With their starting three corners are P.J. Williams, Devontae Harris, Ken Crowley. Well, the the scary part is that they're signing guys off the street that might be put right into the lineup. I mean, Bleedy Ray Wilson might be playing for this team. What other what other replacement we level cornerback did they start? Did they sign this week? I forget that. Never trust a man named Bleedy. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> Hell a, no. That's a life motto right there. Dan, have you? Can I call a timeout here? Sure. Have you seen this notebook from Mark over here? Oh wow, this You're thing is intimidating. Style. Can but. you hold it up for the camera, Mark? Look at little this. bit of note. I don't know where the camera is over He's here. He's got play diagrams. In there. This was wow. my Tennessee Titans. What they were doing on offense before the Wait, meltdown what are those, happened. What are those? The the gra- well, the drawings. The, that's the called renderings. Dan. That's called a football diagram. It's yeah. Offense. What are you doing with that? I spent, yeah. He's I had a Wednesday notes? off. I spent some time doing a little research. Are you diagramming plays? 
The you Titans got offense, sons. I think, is a fascinating offense in the first half, and we've already discussed that team. <laughs> I can immediately you, feel unprepared. Can you explain what is going on over there? Out loud? Well, we have been given three <laughs> minutes to discuss the Saints and Giants, so I will take that for another time. Maybe they'll allow me on NFL Now to do that for two minutes. Probably not. NFL Now, maybe. NFL Network, never. Definitely not. Um, I, we're all impressed. All right. Wasn't going for that, but thank you. Uh Josh Norman, by the way, got called out. Now that Victor Cruz caught a ball, uh, he's able to talk, I guess. He made a, a point to say that, Josh Norman, if you're uh, such a high-paid stud, why aren't you covering the number one after he didn't cover Antonio Brown? Will we see Josh Norman uh, uh, against – well, no, we're not in this game. That wouldn't make any sense. But will, will we see <laughs> – I don't know where I'm going with this, actually. Will we see Victor Never mind. Cruz? Will Victor will- Cruz continue to yap? The most – two most tedious players in the NFL, Victor Cruz, who hasn't done anything oh, tedious. for like 720 days. Josh Norman, who's in the middle of every tedious discussion in the NFL, That's talking about the most tedious topic in the NFL – Will a cornerback travel with number one receivers? Give me a break. By the way, I got set up by the, the news cycle because why are we talking about Victor Cruz ripping Josh Norman when, when the Redskins aren't coming to town? What are we even doing, society? It doesn't matter. It yeah. doesn't matter. That was a high wattage setup <laughs> right. that the news industry set up. Speaking of right things there. that don't matter, Bleedy Ray Wilson didn't even sign with hey, the Saints. It was B.W. Webb <laughs> and Sterling Moore. This is a disaster. This, this Saints team. Well, it's say something worse. nice about the Saints and save this segment. Yeah. Victor Cruz, come back to us. Willie Sneed. Who does Willie Sneed remind you guys of? I don't know who Willie Sneed reminds me of. He's a unique player. He reminds me of the Willie Sneed that got cut by the Browns two preseasons ago. (laughs) This could be the best Saints offense since at least 2011. And they're going to have to score. Since Darren Sproles and Jimmy Graham were... Yeah, two of the best. At the I, I think there's no doubt it's better than it's 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 going to be better than it's been. It's going to need to because it could be the worst defense in the league. Again. Big it's test for both teams. A litmus test, even test, test, test. Moving on. <laughs> Sorry, Saints and Giants. Sorry, Bleedy Ray. Two and, more. W Web. <laughs> our apologies to all those fans. We did our best. It didn't work out. The Cincinnati Bengals now one and zero after a uh, a great win over the Jets. Uh, in which they were outplayed for most of the game but made the plays they needed to make, and they stole a win at the Meadowlands. Now they head to Heinz Field. Here's one of the best games of the week against the Pittsburgh Steelers, who looked great in uh, in week one, uh, almost great enough to be a Team of ATL nominee. They didn't get nominated, but they are still exciting to watch. Mark, I'm going to set you up right now. What are your thoughts about Marvin Lewis? Well, Marvin Lewis is an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that was many years ago that I said that. I'm not sure what the context was. Uh, he may have been at the time. I don't think he is now. I think that the Bengals, uh, you know, the kind of game they won last week, watching that game, they just got manhandled. And the old Andy Dalton, by the third quarter years ago, would have just been an interception-throwing disaster. I think he showed incredible poise as a quarterback. And the Bengals... When, the, when you win games like that, when you're not the better team, but you find a way to get out of there with a W, sorry to say this, Dan, but that to me shows that it's a, pa- it's a rite of passage for a team like the Bengals in the regular season. I'm not, I know, Chris, they're not a January uh, ship of heroes, but they seem to do this now year after year. They win these regular season games. Pittsburgh has always been the team they cannot go on the road and beat, and I don't know who can beat Pittsburgh right now. I want to see some team show me that they can slow down what we just saw on Monday night. That was insanity. Untapped entirely. Antonio Brown, to me, looks completely unstoppable, and it doesn't even matter right now if Le'Veon Bell is in there. 
Bengals might be that team. Their secondary is always a little underrated, and they have held Andy, they held Antonio Brown 60 yards below his average in three matchups last year. That's pretty impressive when you can do that with. They, the they've got a couple guys stripped out of their secondary, but they keep Josh gro- they Shaw keep grooming really guys. They Josh keep Shaw grooming looked really good. Josh Shaw hasn't been in the news this much since uh, the old. Since he jumped out of a the pool incident, or when no, he was the one that said he saved the drowning cousin, right? No, that was Bleedy Ray Wilson. That was Victor Cruz. I you you hit a great point, Mark, about Dalton and, and the way this Bengals team is now in terms of like just being a veteran team that knows how to win. They also know how to change their scheme and their game plan depending on the week, which you only do if you have some continuity. I know they have a new offensive coordinator this year, but it's ultimately the same system with, with Ken Zampezi. They even had some of the crazy hue formations. When you can just drop CJ Uzama into your uh, starting lineup as your tight end, who is your third string tight end, and he's making plays for you. He's blocking well. He, I thought he looked good. He looked he really looked good. One big open field. It, run. You know, you throw Brandon LaFell in, kind of a Patriots type move. I'll just let's just drop him in the offense. Okay, he's going to get ninety yards. It's like that. That's a sign of a good. And LaFell is a tough player. One thing that happened with Revis last week, watching that game was that a couple of the bubble screens to A.J. Green, LaFell got right in Revis's face and tied him up, and that set Green free. I mean, that they're going to do that to, to lesser cornerbacks without a problem. This is a game. We don't do it for every game, uh, but I would love to know the picks for this game. So let's go around the, try to throw the room right together. here. and Well, that's what we're doing. Okay. Yeah, I'm just thinking out loud. That's what this show is. Dan is petting me right now. I could, we cannot get enough of Dan petting his former boss. Mark, who's your pick? Bengals, Pittsburgh Steelers at Heinz Field. Let me preempt it real fast. I picked the Bengals as my team of ATL, but not because they're going to go 14-2. and two. I think they're an interesting 10-6 and six type team. They're 1-0. They're going to lose this game. This is Pittsburgh. Okay. Wes? This is now the NFL's most intense rivalry. It reminds me a little bit of the Jim Harbaugh 49ers against the Pete Carroll Seahawks. Mm-hmm. Physical, physical football. Steelers have always been better at physical football than the Bengals, going back to the creation of the Bengals. Wow. <laughs> That's the Bengals. I mean the Steelers. I'm going to make it three in a row. I think the, I liked uh, Cincinnati's gumption last week, but I wouldn't say they played a, a perfect game, and I think Pittsburgh looks so good in week one. Who am I to pick against them in their home opener? So even though Cincinnati is a team of ATL nominee, team of ATL. that is three picks for the Steelers, Greg. I would Sweep? Take, I, yes, I'd take the Steelers. I would take whichever team was at home. Yeah, it kinda, the this, kind that of that type of rivalry. That's yeah. what this AFC North business is all about. Shout out to Hard Knocks star Margus Hunt. Four years in, and now he's finally getting some run, playing starter snaps. Finally. It's blocked extra point was the difference in the game. Yes. Yeah. Bigger man. I think he's 6'7 or 6'8. Uh, moving the Eastern on. Eastern block, right? The Eastern <laughs> block. Yeah. Right. Yeah, he was a um, From Estonia. Hard Knocks MVP candidate once upon a time. Moving on uh, to the NFC West. This is the final 1 p.m., gentlemen. Uh, game San Francisco 49ers uh, off a dominant. Well, I wouldn't call it dominant, but the final score was that was dominant. Twenty-eight nothing's dominant. When you hold a team to 150 look, yards, it's dominant. It's I probably their best moment of the year, so give it to them. Probably. I'm just saying because there were stretches where they were putrid as well, the third quarter uh, specifically. But anyway, good job, guys. One and zero. Chip Kelly flying high, and now they got to go to Carolina. And I'll I'll tell you what, guys. Uh, this is a game that I have to say is not going to be easy for San Francisco. It feels like a buzzsaw situation, so much so that I'm going to name it my lock of the week, gentlemen. 
Lock it up. Why did you change your lock of the week? I think I just put the arrow in the wrong spot. That's oh, okay. I, mean. <laughs> uh, I think that uh, Carolina is not going to fall to 0-2, especially against the Niners. That course. is a daring prediction, if nothing else. Well, you just got to sometimes just got to lock it up. They, they locked the, it up. They are the biggest favorites this week by far, which which makes sense. I, I'm curious to see this 49ers defense in a, in a game where maybe they just don't have the game plan figured out because if nothing else, they were flying around and they played a lot of people. I mean, they had an idea that they're going to play 16, 17 guys, 20, 20 plus snaps, rotating everyone in and out. Armstead and Buckner, at least at least it's something to watch. I want to see how they do against Kelvin. Well, this time you've got Kelvin Benjamin to deal with. You've got Devin Funches to deal with and not a team that says we're going to essentially run the ball and that's the only play we have in our one-play playbook. Those twin skyscrapers, Eric Armstead and, and DeForest Buckner, were impressive. But you're going from the worst quarterback in the NFL in Case Keenum to the MVP the reigning MVP and the best offense in the NFL points-wise, 31 points per game last year at home, licking their wounds a little bit from the season-opening loss, which they could have won. I think the 49ers are in for a world of hurt, and that's why the Panthers are my lock of the week. Oh, yeah, bro. Yeah, bro. (laughs) You guys ain't got it. Well, what a celebration you two are now ensconced on together. Don't be we are jealous. certainly ensconced on a celebration. Wow, right Cam now. Newton versus Gabbert. Lock of the week. Taking Cam Newton. <laughs> yeah. Is that what a lock is? I guess so. <laughs> are we very supposed nature. to flirt with an yeah, iffy just, game, Greg? I thought so. I don't know. I thought we need to pick games that there could be some. Uh, lock it up. Put it in the vault and lock it I think we've probably taken more up. of a similar approach and we'll probably suffer for the, it. Cam Newton in that, in that Broncos game, too, was even better, I think, than I could have imagined when I when I I thought he he almost overcame a great defensive effort by Denver all by himself. So even if I could see the 49ers defense giving them a little trouble, but it's poor, not going to matter because Blaine Gabbert's not going to score any points. Poor Greg Olson and Trey Turner and Kelvin Benjamin are like, what do you mean all by himself? Yeah, I, I the problem with for me with the 49ers starts here. Blaine Gabbert was still making the same mistakes in week one that he was all preseason. Just as you said, Dan, there were stretches of play that were absolutely horrible. So last week is an absolute mirage. This is going to be a huge test. It's interesting because Chip Kelly, let's see what he can do. I'm not not taking that back, Wes. Every every offense in the league is built on, well, you can't expose your quarterback to too many hits. Their offense is built on exposing him to hits. Everything that they do, I think, is around him more even than any quarterback in the league. You better take advantage of him now because I know he's a, a, a beast and powerful and all that, but if that's your offense, expose that's your quarterback. That's their offense. It, it will catch up People to People say, oh, college offenses won't, won't work in the NFL. Have you, the Panthers are a college offense. Let's, well, it's, it's worked so far. Let's move on, guys. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are 1-0. Jameis Winston, four touchdowns uh, in the first uh, game of the season, getting Greg all hyped up. You got like 47 sandwiches on the man, so you need that type of performance. And now they hit the road. They have a tough task ahead of them as well because they go to Arizona to face a Cardinals team that is kicking themselves uh, from a Sunday night loss where they, they somehow were able to duck both Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski, and then the, the kicker goes and blows the game uh, in a game really they should have should never have been that close e- anyway with uh, the amount of uh, tools that the Patriots are missing. So now you got to expect, Wes, this is going to be a pissed Cardinals team that's going to blow the doors off the Bucks, right? I don't know about that. Let's see who the Cardinals are. 
because they weren't themselves in week one. I want to. I think what's intriguing about this matchup is the backfields. If you read my top ten uh, pass catching backs article this week, hammer drop, hammer drop, you'll know that Doug Martin and Charles Sims were easily the best backfield tandem in the NFL last year, and they looked good again in the opener. Charles Sims, one of the most underappreciated passing backs in the game, Doug Martin ran better than his numbers showed. Who's got the better backfield? Because David Johnson was the mm. most one of the most impressive players in the NFL this year, and I feel about him the way Jim Schwartz does when he watches Javid Best highlights. <laughs> Put a sock on the door. Oh, Javid Best crack. I love it. <laughs> Charles Sims last door. week had one of the best catch and run for a touchdown that I've seen in a long time. He is just a He made a four Falcons athlete. run into each other with one move. Well, you, guys, you guys, Mark and Wes, were in on Sims' corner early, and I, I think he's even better now in terms of he, he's a little tougher. Both of these he guys – He can run between the tackles now. Both of these guys can, can break tackles, and I, I agree that the Cardinals weren't themselves last week, and here's why. Honey Badger was not himself, and the defense was not aggressive. They, they were – I don't know if they were afraid of exposing Tyvon Branch, who's playing cornerback – and Brandon Williams in, in single coverage because they did not really go after Garoppolo. Remember, we, I was all worried. They're going to get crazy. They're going to do all these cardinal things. They kind of sat back there and let Garoppolo, you know, go to who's open. And that's not the Cardinals defense that we're used to seeing. It would be interesting to see how quickly Therold Simon starts playing. They claimed him off waivers from the Seahawks. And Richard Sherman's on record as saying several times, this guy's going to end up better than me at some point. I don't know, because Brandon Williams was a liability. Justin Bethel it hasn't been ready to play. You might have to throw Therald Simon right into the starting line. And, and the Bucks offense, I think, is getting to the point where they can spread you out, that they have enough depth. Austin Safarian Jenkins made two key plays last week. Cameron Brait, they like going to him, especially in the two-minute drill. Adam Humphreys might be turning into that slot receiver that they I, want. I think he played he played fine for a third receiver. So now now you kind of have enough people where you can where you can do that and let James. Are, are you concerned uh, did you see this when they were playing in Atlanta and I understand I never hear this but apparently it's loud in that dome that it seemed like the Bucks offense was a little discombobulated early on. There was a play where there's illegal illegal formations. There is like they almost ran out the clock three times. Winston's not on the same page with Vincent Jackson on one play. Yeah. Nearly cost a turnover. I mean, that's gonna get ironed out, but they when they do things well, I see what you see. They're a fascinating offense, but they're still growing. Yeah, they're gonna be fun to watch. They're gonna make mistakes. I think the Falcons were really determined that the Bucks don't go deep early. And Winston, to me, showed me something that he, he realized that and started taking the short passes before, before it got loosened up. I thought Doug Martin, too, looked for stretches like himself from last year. It wasn't the stat line, you'd think. This scores this got to be a one-score game at the end. I think the Bucks. you know. You are all in, man. It, we're not going to get your lock of the week off of this, though. No. All right. Bucks in, their, Bucks in their road uniform. I wouldn't go that it's far. It's be an awfully hard watch. If, if the Cardinals do get back on track here, they're in good position as they for the next few weeks because after the Bucks game at Buffalo, which no nobody's in love with the Bills, uh, home to the Rams and then the forty at Forty Niners, so they should be in good position. Then it tightens up a little bit home to the Jets, but a home game, and then you have a back to back home to Seahawks at Panthers into your bye week. So do you even take, gather take for advantage. practice for those three weeks? Do you just say, guys, let's <laughs> let's get healthy? If the, if the Bucks went and beat last year's team of eight around the league, around the NFL, okay, in Arizona. Would you at least have an open mind enough to consider them, Wes? You said that there was a hard no. I, I have proposed a deal to Dan Hanses. 
Don't drag me into this. Well, you I... you act like the uniforms are no big deal because you don't really watch the games. Well, but wait. if you start watching the games every week, if you if you watch the Bucks every week, do you know how crazy video, you sound? By the way, you sound like a crazy person. You're telling me that because I'm not watching the games, I am not seeing their uniforms, and that's why that I would I do not see what you see about we can't support this team? That's crazy talk. Team of ATL means a different thing to you than it means to me. To me, it's all about watching the game. You're going to watch them And they're anyway. a hard that's, watch. That's the part that, the, you know, you're going to watch it. I anyway. think their offense is fun. If that happened, the much bigger takeaway would be what is happening to the Cardinals. Yeah, that's true. Let's, well, did, did you answer that question? Is it still an, is it a hard, are the Bucks out? There's a sliver of opening. Okay. <laughs> hey, hear that, Greg? That's, that's all you can ask for. I'll take it. There's a slip. Saying I have a chance. Let's move on. The Seattle Seahawks at 1-0, an underwhelming win over the Dolphins in week one. Uh, now they travel uh, down the coast to face an L.A. Rams team uh, that embarrassed itself, embarrassed the entire organization, embarrassed the city of L.A. Uh, the sport uh, of football. sport of football. Uh, humans were embarrassed by that game, a 28 nothing loss. But, Mark, as we look ahead to this game, isn't this, as we were saying uh, on our last show, kind of the Jeff Fisher way that they would all of a sudden play an inspired game against the Seahawks? They always seem to play the Seahawks tough. They do. I think that narrative is going to come to a crashing halt. Uh, and if I'm wrong, that's on me. But this feels to me like the recipe for baking a disaster cake. Let me read this. A disaster a cake. A big disaster cake. Let me that's read this. all Mark's eating, by the way, let, now. Let me read that's this to you. only disaster cake diet. That is is exactly- that true? <laughs> No, I'm still on my raw foods diet till Cleveland wins. That sounds like a disaster cake. I did see you um, drinking some green sludge earlier today, so it is you are great. keeping up the uh, the diet for sure. I feel great. Let me, I haven't always been like this. Let, let me read something to you. Yes. Seahawks have not allowed a 100-yard rusher since week 11, 2014, okay? That's basically the L.A. Rams' entire chance right there. The Rams average the fewest yards per game while the Seahawks allow the fewest passing yards allowed. So if you put it all together, this is a big giant uh, robot landing in Los Angeles from Seattle that's just going to destroy the Rams. They lost 28 nothing to the Niners. What is going to happen here? In our pre-production meeting today, I guess you could call it that, we met in a conference room. For like six minutes. Call it a pre-production meeting. Uh, Mark referred to the Rams as a blooming bag of (laughs) So. Well, all right. I I would like Wait, to no, see, this they, is my this is my city. I would like to see them do well, but it was yeah. it was a very uninspiring. Look at Eric Dickerson, who should be the guy who's providing all this hope and this connection to the past, called the game an embarrassment, and that's what it was. It's on the Rams to come out and produce something different. That was embarrassing Eric Dickerson is a Monday Night Football sideline correspondent. You have strong feelings on this. But it's like a hot take television analysis from like 14 years ago. Is there the, the worst sideline analysis? I mean, that has okay, ever but anyway, it's, it's a, a historically bad it's one. Like a, there are some reasons to believe the Rams defense could give the Seahawks offense some fits. Both Seahawks guards were an abomination in week one. They got pushed around. Russell Wilson isn't the same quarterback when he can't use his feet. And he couldn't use his feet from the third quarter on last week. Although they, they were in in – Fairness to the Dolphins. I mean, they were worse even before he got the, – the Seahawks offense had troubles, big-time troubles, ever before he got hurt. So I'm saying the Rams' defense could give the Seahawks' offense some fits. My thing would be, though – I listen, the Rams did did nice work against the Seahawks last year, and they've done it before that Wrapped as well. Them. Under Jeff Fisher. So it's things are things are in place. 
but you have Case Keenum at your cornerback at quarterback, and you need to score points to beat the Seahawks. It's not going to be the same thing as last week, where Seattle's going to come out and be held to the kind of offensive showing they were points wise. I just don't see it happening. Never, you, what about a defensive turnover? I mean, this is this is Rams offense has got issues. It's never a good sign when your quarterback has to come out and tell you whether he's seeing ghosts or not. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that is not a good sign, by the way, when the quarterback's saying that. Usually, people say that about a quarterback. When he's saying, "I've seen ghosts," that's out a there, preemptive ghost denial. Get that guy out of there. Uh, but the Seahawks defense, if you remember, last year started off the season so slowly, didn't look like the Seahawks defense for half the year. This year, they come out and they look like they're they're sick of all that. They look ready to go. Michael Bennett somehow gets better each and every year. If Jeff Fisher gets a contract extension, by the way. We have to have an emergency podcast. Whenever it goes down, if it leaks on a Saturday at 3 p.m. and we're playing cornhole at my house, we need to all race to the office to talk about it. Does that feel like necessary? I'm all in for that. I think that's good show running by you. I don't know if Sydney, our producer, would really appreciate it. She understands it. She might be watching BYU. It's a long ride from Disneyland. (laughs) That is a good point, though. All right, let's move on, gentlemen, and talk about the Indianapolis Colts 0-1 traveling uh, to Denver to face the Broncos, who have a nice had a nice little 10-day break after their uh, kickoff Thursday win and uh, historic game, as I consult uh, the uh, 2016 season. Week two, research notes. We don't have any music to play. We're, we're, you know, we don't have anything to play there. I'm working on that. What's People can go listen to, to – What's that? What's the song we used to play? Well, we used to mix it up, oh, a lot yeah, of different yeah. – People that can go listen fun. to old podcasts to hear music, which was a feature of old shows. Absolutely. Anyway, but from the research guide, uh, this will be the first Colts-Broncos game without Peyton Manning involved since week five, 1993. Uh, and that was October 3rd, 1993. And I just thought maybe a little – trip down memory lane. I wrote about this on the end round. I thought you guys might be interested in it. We were all live at that time. Greg, maybe not. Greg was born in like 2007 at 32 <laughs> years old. That's a theory that's out there in society. I was living my life at 14 more than y'all. I was, y'all. I was out there. Where I can tell you? you what I was doing in 1993. All right. The, so the number one single on October uh, 3rd, uh, 1993 was Dream Lover by Mariah Carey. Remember this banger? Oh, yes. At the height of Mariah Carey's powers, I would say. Also the height of her, the good girl, um, good girl phase. Before she turned into a bad girl. Before ODB. Is that what you're... Before ODB came into the mix. Before ODB came and changed everything. That was where it changed. Uh, The number one movie on that weekend, the last game between the Broncos and Colts, without Peyton Manning involved, was and this is a bit. Ooh, I could guess. This is about fortuitous. Go ahead. You'll never get it. Um, the Good Son. No, that. Wait, how would you even be close to that? That was the number two movie. Because I went to a movie with my dad it, that week in November '93, and remember what movie it was. Whoa! It was the number two movie in America, but the number one movie in America was a, a tepid, a tepid um, medical thriller starring Alec Baldwin and uh, Nicole Kidman called Malice, which has been forgotten completely by society, but does include some peak Baldwin that we've known on the show. You ask me if I have a God complex? Let me tell you something. I am God. It's a great movie, actually. Wasn't like every movie in the 90s? It had malice in the title or something? Yeah, it had to be a, <laughs> it had to be a rule. It was usually two words and malice in there somewhere. And the number one sitcom of uh, in October 1993 was? Seinfeld. Simpsons? 
No and no, Wes. No. Oh. Well, you've already answered. Sorry, Mark. Cheers was already gone, right? I know what it is. Uh, friend? No. I'm they going on the air yet. I'm going Frazier. All wrong. This is the answer. <laughs> Home Improvement. Oh, my God. What Let's a hear it cultural again. wasteland 1993 right. was. Let's hear that again, Sid. Well, it's, good to, <laughs> it's good to know America's not dumber now than it was then. <laughs> Have you seen our been, presidential candidate? We've always Greg. been dumb. Greg, a secret JTT fan. Have you ever been to Greg's house? <laughs> uh, albums committed to still have that poster JTT. of him on the back of your door? You know, I'm thinking about, Sid, I was thinking about maybe bringing back. Uh, no, no. Why not? No. America? What does it even mean? It means it, uh, it's a little. It's a little you're too. You're a guy, and you just need your space, and you want to get in the garage. You want that wife to get off your back every once in a while. You <laughs> just want to go, Cindy. What are you doing back there? People, uh, people have, uh, people have hard spoken no. on Tim Allen. They actually have a – yeah, they've been running the Home Improvement 2, the Tim Allen show, for like five years. It doesn't have that title, but it's essentially the exact Yeah, it's like show. Last Man Standing, I think. Anyway, let's talk the game. So, yeah, uh, Peyton Manning not involved in this game, as we know. Uh, but you know who is? Andrew Luck. And you know who else is? Trevor Simeon, uh, a, a guy that maybe got a little overhyped about his play in that game, but he made some plays in that football game, that opener. Uh, Mark, what were your takeaways? Um, you know, clear-eyed, concise takeaways, throw out, you know, all the hyperbole. How did you think Trevor Simeon played? Better than last year's Broncos quarterbacks. And with the way this team is set up, uh, you know, I, I think at some point they're going to transition to Paxton Lynch, but Trevor Simeon throws the ball better than Mark Sanchez did. And I would say that uh, in the end that John Elway will be viewed favorably for not overpaying Brock Osweiler, as we discussed a few weeks ago. I think Trevor Simeon is a good bridge to Paxton Lynch. I think he'll be fine. The Broncos are going to be better than the Colts at, what, 21 out of the 22 positions on the field in this game? Mm. They, they should blow the Colts out early, and if they don't and they let it come down to Andrew Luck versus Trevor Simeon with the game on the line, they could be in trouble. But the Bron- it's hard to see the Broncos' defensive personnel – not taking advantage of the Colts' offensive line or the Broncos' offensive personnel and C.J. Anderson not taking advantage of a wretched Colts' defense. I don't think you can overstate how dominant Denver's offensive line was in the running game last week. When I when I watched that Pullback again, too. they destroyed Carolina, who we think of as a front seven. So as a good front seven, they absolutely dominated them. And so if you've got that kind of dominance in the running game, now that it's really the carry – Gary Kubiak offense, and they're doing that in week one. That's scary, and and also scary is that they got Shaq Barrett and Shane Ray coming off the bench, and you're practically not losing anything at this point. Shane Ray and Shaq Barrett are getting better and better. I think this is one of uh, you know a string of games for the Colts. We're going to get it. Their offense, they can score points, but they are just an incomplete roster. What concerns me about Denver, obviously, with Demarius Thomas, said this week that he has concerns about coming out of his cuts and getting hit with the hip injury he has. He's obviously not 100%, but the way that they ran the ball, it C.J. Anderson is set up for a huge season in this in this offense, and I don't see it slowing down. He's going to have a huge week against Indianapolis, barring a stunner. You going to lock it up? No. Keep I know. My, I was, keep as we lock. were talking about this, I was thinking this would be a logical lock. Because they're probably um, they're they're big time favorites. I like my locks to be, have a little bit of flavor. This is a little little bit yeah. too block and tackle for of, me. Little bit in of fact, s- I like them to be wrong quite a bit. So <laughs> that's where I'm going. 
<laughs> All right, good. Uh, moving on, the Atlanta Falcons uh, coming off a dreary season opening uh, loss, head to Oakland to face the Raiders. And uh, here is a game, Chris Wessling, featuring another Team of ATN nominee. Team of and again, if I want, if I think the Raiders, I don't need the Raiders to go 12 and four this season, but I need things to happen like this. When Atlanta, uh, a middling team comes into your building in your home opener, I want you to double down on the momentum from week one and spank the Falcons and send Matt Ryan home quivering in a corner. Whoa, that's aggressive. Sitting in the plane. Like, Where's Matt? Why isn't he in his seat? Oh, he's over in the cargo area. He doesn't want to be around anyone right now. That's what I want. If you are a <laughs> fan of the Oakland Raiders as the team of ATL and you like that they took advantage of the Saints' uh, subpar defense last week, you can feel pretty good about a Falcons defense coming in that still has no pass rush and their linebackers got absolutely worked in coverage. Sean Weatherspoon, Devondre Campbell especially – were absolutely torched in coverage. They were a little better rushing the passer, and I don't think you're going to be happy, Dan, if you're looking for a blowout. To me, until proven otherwise, I think these are two teams that are in the middle class of the NFL, and those types of teams play close games. I'd give the slight edge at quarterback to Atlanta in this game. I thought Matt Ryan looked good last week. Uh, so I, I don't see any reason to believe this is going to be some blow. I think it'll be close to that. What, Saints game. what does Derek Carr have to do to get some love in this room? Derek Carr was great last week. I love that. I mean, if talk about a team of One ATL. guy's in decline. The other guy's rising like a Talk Phoenix. about a team of ATL moment. He jumps over a defender for the first down. He's on the opposing sideline, Derek Carr, and he's making the first down sign as people are <laughs> yelling at him around him. He doesn't care. He's Derek Carr. I don't think anyone left. <laughs> well, you know what? I'm not going to even talk in this second. You can I mean, talk over no, that. I will say one thing. I mean, the, the, the reason there's not going to be a blowout, because, yeah, the Falcons lost last week, but you've got Julio Jones, and Mohamed Sanu is a massive upgrade over last year's Roddy White. And what we saw happen to Oakland last week with their rebuilt secondary did not live up to the promise. They've got Sean Smith coming back into the lineup after being benched. A lot of pretty words this week about how coach believes in him. He believes in himself. Everyone believes in everyone. But, you know, now you gotta, you got to deal with Julio Jones and Mohamed Sanu. That's a matchup issue for Oakland. By the way, Jalen Richard, I've I got to go see if he's available in, in my fantasy. So Mohamed, I, think, I think there might be some stain power there. Take like, it really? offline. Mohamed Sanu is now making the leap from a guy that's just a nice target monster to a guy that teams need to be terrified I, about. I think you got to see what over? he did last week. I mean, he really he, he made a difference in that game, and I think the thing is you're going to get a number one cornerback or two cornerbacks or two coverage people on, on Julio Jones every week leaving Sanu open. Didn't he just, most of his yardage came on a blown coverage, right? I'm That's saying. it was a nice I'm job not ready by to him. Get too excited about most of it. Not just yet. I, I'm not asking you to get excited. Get excited four weeks from now when he's continuing to do the same thing. Can okay. we revisit Greg's Jalen Richard love 75 yard touchdown run in, in which Kalechi assembly pancaked mm-hmm. Kalechi, a defensive tackle to spring Jalen Richard. I just but love his got DeAndre movement. Washington out touched Jalen Richard. Uh, I'll how do you pronounce his name? Olawale got the goal line love. And Taiwan Jones is involved, too. That is a four-man backup. Taiwan Jones cannot be killed. Eventually, in a PPR league, I think I think he might be a fact. Just the, the movement on the punt returns. I mean, he, he moves in a in a special way. Ooh. I'm <laughs> just saying, not a lot of people move like that. Okay. What is up with Atlanta's shovel passes? Enough with this nonsense. Four or five times last Sessler year. has spoken. No, I'm just saying, Go. it is a weird running game that they have this year. It's very strange, and it surprises me from Kyle Shanahan. 
Uh, let's uh, move on, gentlemen, and talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, who were unable to uh, knock off the Packers at home in week one. So now they travel to San Diego to face a Chargers team that still has to be gutted. They blew a, a huge lead in Kansas City and also lost their best offensive player, uh, or at least their best offensive skill player in Keenan Allen, who did indeed suffer a torn ACL. So they got to hold court here, Mark, and if they don't, you start to get the feeling it could be a bad season in San Diego. I don't like this matchup for San Diego. I don't think that there's a whole lot separating these two teams, but there's a lot to like about the Jaguars right now. And for me, it starts with Jalen Ramsey on defense. This guy is going to be an absolute star. He is nasty. Go watch this guy's game from last week. He has got an attitude, and it happens whether it's on special teams or on defense. I think the Jaguars, you know, I, I'm not sure it's going to happen all this season, which will, you know, upset the caravan that's riding, that thinks it's riding towards January play. But they have a lot of productive young players, put up 413 yards, something like that last week, did a very good job. And I think that, no, the, sorry, the Chargers gave up 413 yards. It's a good matchup, I think, for the Jaguars to come in, Allen Robinson, Allen Hearns, and I don't. I want to know what's happening with Chris Ivory. That's my concern. I think they're a much different run game when he's been in the lineup in the preseason. I think the Chargers' offense worries me. Without Keenan Allen, they yeah. got shut down when he left, and I think he's that good. I know that Philip Rivers is talking up Tyrell Williams, who's athletic, who has potential, but it's a lot different from going going from a guy like Keenan Allen who was giving a high-quality cornerback like Marcus Peters fits in that game. Right. When you're suddenly counting on Tyra Williams to be your co-number one receiver, you're in trouble. Cause Travis Benjamin is not a number one receiver. He is, a, he is sort of a, not a one-trick pony, gonna, but Travis Benjamin does one thing really right, well. Right. You're going you're gonna to spread it around. Antonio Gates didn't have a good week. The Jaguars, this is a game if they are going to take the next step. This is the type of game you sneak out. It's not the toughest road place to play uh, in the world. I, you know, I think the Jaguars showed something in that game that they were aggressive going for it on fourth downs. That's the right sort of attitude. I'll tell you what they are. They are my lock of the week. Whoa! Whoa. And I, I get it. Why would you take an 0-1 team that's been historically a disaster of late <laughs> on, the, on road. the road? But I believe it, and I think they're going to win. This Jacksonville team is going to be frisky. I, it, had they gotten the, you know, they got a bomb dropped on them against Green Bay last week, I'd be all out. But I think that they showed up. They did exactly what we asked them to do in this studio last Thursday, which is they we played asked them a not very. To embarrass themselves. They did not at all, and there's a lot they didn't to win like either, about this though. team. They, they did not That's win. They, had to go, they, they had to played go a great team. team. This is not the Green Bay Packers. If They're going to win this. Good game. matchups of good cornerbacks against uh, great receivers in terms of Jackson. I mean, if ever there was a secondary, some cornerbacks who could slow them down, it would be the San Diego one. So it's not going to be slowed easy. down last week. Yeah. Again, I also like to lose these locks, I said, Greg, <laughs> so I, your point is taken. When does the Joey Bosa holdout end is my question. <laughs> oh. That's a big loss for San Diego. I think they, Is it? Not, I mean, we don't even it, know anything well, about no. the guy. They, they, they could, need, they could they the need, pass Exactly. The, what he was supposed to bring, they need right now, not eight, nine weeks from now or a year from now. Maybe, I mean, I don't even want to talk about it. But he's hurt because hamstrings hurt because he spent the entire summer in a protracted standoff that no one was happy about. Whatever. Moving on, the Green Bay Packers, Minnesota Vikings, Sunday night football in front of Al, Chris, and the world. What a game. This is a, a game I'll be very excited to watch. And, uh, Greg, from your standpoint, uh, what, what did you come away from in terms of your thoughts about the Vikings now that the shock uh, of the losing Ted, Teddy Bridgewater has subsided? 
and they won a game in week one where their defense played very, very well. Are you feeling good? And now maybe Sam Bradford enters the picture. I am feeling good about the Vikings. The things that Mark talked about all preseason in terms of Minnesota's defense, none of that's changed. I think Mike Zimmer is going to convince this team that no no one – I mean, you know he's doing this. He's a Bill Parcells guy. No one's giving you a chance now that Teddy's gone for the season. You know, putting everyone's picks up there. No one's picking them to the playoffs. This is why you lift all those weights. And let's face it, they beat the Packers – with the division on the line with 99 yards out of their quarterback. So they've shown the formula to win with defense. And the, if you are starting a basketball team full of defenders, I think the Minnesota Vikings defense would be who you want. Daniil Hunter. Everson, I love him. Everson Griffin. Anthony Barr. Harrison Smith at this point is almost accepted as the best safety in football. It's just what? very deep. Or one, one of them. He's, get, he's getting to that point with Earl Thomas. Harrison Smith is great, but stop. You're treating Earl Thomas like you treat Larry All right, Earl Thomas had a bad year, and then he had a bad game. So you're right. Maybe I'm getting carried away. Well, they don't have a a point of their defense where you say, this is where you obviously go attack. And they're adding players that matter. Eric Kendricks is now a player that matters. They've just got depth everywhere. Enough, I think, to slow down the Packers and win this game. Daniil Hunter was awesome. I like this Vikings team to win this game. You know, if I had a team of football players playing basketball, my first pick, Jimmy Graham. He played ball. You don't know that. I know that. That My really. findings down the lab, Graham. At the college teams. level or? At many levels. Nice, Dan. CYO, high school, junior high, college. I would throw last year's game that you referenced out the window That's completely. Fair. Sam Bradford is taking over for Teddy Bridgewater this week, according to reports. And Sam Bradford and Carson Wentz now have exactly the same number of games with 278 yards and two TDs and no interceptions. In their entire careers. My, my point is the Vikings were a good defense last year. They weren't at the level of the Broncos and the Seahawks and the Panthers. I, I totally Not at agree. all. And maybe the they can get defense, to that level. That's, I think that's fine, but the Packers offense was at a dysfunctional stage when these two, these two teams met last year. That's that, no longer Any concern that Aaron Rodgers had great protection last week and they averaged 5.9 yes. yards per 10? I think, I think a lot of this goes back to Jordy Nelson, who said basically what he had, dead legs, that he's still, he's still getting back into it. He looks slow. He did like not Steve look himself. Smith, he's running shorter routes. He's not running vertical routes right now. And I think that's a problem. But, yes, there's a concern because Aaron Rodgers, you can't repeat these – spectacular tight window throws on a, on a weekly basis. And that was the case with him last September when we were calling him the Michael Jordan of football and he was playing better than any quarterback ever had. And it just it dwindled once defenses realized that you didn't have to play down the field at all. Let's pick this game, guys. Mark. I'm going to go Vikings. This was my, this is going to be my team of ATL, and I, they're still in the mix if they win this one. Packers. I got the Vikings as well. Wow. You know why? Because the, the new stadium, new stadium, that place is going to be going nuts. How how serious are the Vikings taking this? They successfully petitioned the league to have the halftime uh, lengthened for a, a major uh, display that they're putting out with an orchestra, a Prince tribute, a Game of Thrones guy is going to be there. <laughs> wow. They're going to do the. I was on the fence until the Game yeah. of Thrones guy, but I'm taking the Vikings now. The Vikings skull chant. Do you guys know about this? Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah. It's always in tweets that, you know, Vikings fans send at you. Skull. If they could pull this off, this is a new thing. They're taking from the Icelandic team. If the Vikings can incorporate this into their home uh, home games. That would be cool. The Super Bowl is finally coming to many. Well, it is in a couple of years. 
Every right. sports bar you it was go announced to, years ago. not hosting the game. We'll be there. I mean, winning it. Wouldn't you Maybe say Minnesota will play there. Every sports bar you ever go to on a Sunday, which we never get to do anymore, no. but even just on a random night, there's always one or two or more people in a Vikings jersey. That that fan base is legitimate. They care about that team, and they're going to have a good season. All right, so what were the fi- you took the Vikings as well? Yeah, three out of four. Wes, I, I would nice. feel good if I were you because I, I still feel think great. Aaron Rodgers versus Sam Bradford. Right. I got feel, hero pick. Yeah. I feel you got great. The favorite. Um, I have a favorite hero pick. All right, time to take us to Monday Night Football. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles uh, with Carson Wentz. Uh, you know, nice little training wheels game uh, against the Browns. Uh, and now they head to Chicago. Nice start to the season for Philly. You get the Browns at home, and then you go to Chicago, a team that doesn't have their act together, uh, perhaps. But unless, uh, Greg, did you see some things uh, when you watched the Bears that, that made you think they were a little better than people might think? Well, I've waited this long to drop my lock of the week. Whoa! <laughs> you guys don't even know which team I'm taking. Lock it up! We do not. Lock of the week. I love it, Greg. The Bears are one of the worst teams in the NFL, and the Philadelphia Eagles got a perfect landing spot to start this season, as you mentioned. I think this is a great defense. I don't think the Bears' offense is going to have enough answers for this defense. And and I really think Chicago's defense without Pernell McPhee, they're going to play hard, but they are undermanned in the secondary. I, I think there is a pretty sizable difference in talent between these two teams and that the Eagles are going to get off to a hot start, 2-0. You're locking it up? Locking it up as an underdog. I think the Bears win by more than one score. Hmm. Good. Whoa. Alshon Jeffrey was spectacular in the opener. Sure. And if Jay Cutler had more time to throw in the second half, he might have gone for 200 yards. Jay Cutler played great last week for, well, that's for most of that game. I thought he, he played a perfect first half despite some bad uh, protection around him, but you can't ask him to play that well. Anymore. He had a really nice 30-second uh, drive going into halftime, but he didn't do much in the second half. I mean, I guess you could say you could certainly, if the Cleveland Browns can make plays on Philly's secondary and they picked on Nolan Carroll here and there, that I could see that happening with the Bears as well. I mean, with Alshon Jeffrey, there's, that's, he, he was great. And I, I, I'm going to go Eagles, though, because I just think there's something going on with this Eagles team. Uh, Are you that? locking it up? I already locked it up. You locked it up already. You can't lock it up. He already locked. That's not how it works. Okay. Could, uh, uh, you're right. I, I mean, Mark is absolutely right. You can only lock up one. Kevin White at this point is an albatross for that team. They feel the need to put him on the field every single down. His catches last week were not getting to the first down sticks, uh, causing an interception, dropping a pass. He he is hurting them, and they feel like can't can't bench him. Use the A word on him. Could Carson Wentz handpick two secondaries to start his season better than the Browns and Bears? That's what I'm saying. They're probably going to be without – Zach Ertz, which is a big loss on a team that doesn't have enough pack pass catchers to begin with, so that's a problem. And let's you know throw Howie, Howie a bone here because he saw that. What we're seeing now, he studied the schedule and he said, "Well, if I want this rookie to play, I could wait three or four weeks until I I feel like Chase Daniel needs to be replaced, or I could throw him in there against two you know bottom twenty five, bottom five teams in the league." And get his feet wet in a positive way. That's smart. And in the process, we, our city, is hosting the draft, Philadelphia. I can get a first-round pick back just to ship Sam Bradford a few miles west. Not a big problem there. One Howie thing about Roseman. One thing about Carson Wentz is it's one thing to go out and have that kind of game when you've been preparing for it for months. It's another to do it when you've got a couple of days to prepare. Mm, that's true. 
Th- that is fair. That th- this is what I'll say about Carson Wentz, though. There were a couple throws he made, which is I I don't care how what what happens to him from here on out. The guy can the guy has some stuff going on at quarterback, and the teams without a quarterback, I think they would Carson Wentz would be very he's quickly. Got, he's got the heater, but he's got option. the touch pass, which is nice to see right off the bat that he's not always throwing it a hundred miles an hour, but he can when he needs. Cleveland, and they're not that they have a great ability to do this. Tried very hard to confuse him and throw weird stuff at him early, and just nothing seemed to phase him too. I think that you know neck up. He's they talk about him as like this A type personality that's sort of Peyton Manning esque in his obsessiveness with football. That's uh, opposite from what we've heard about the other quarterback that was drafted in the top two. A little underrated, another rookie in this game, Leonard Floyd, a top 10 pick ahead of schedule, playing every down. They thought he'd be a situational guy, kind of looking like he belongs. It's good news for the Bears. All right, there you go. There is our uh, week two preview. We'll, next time you hear from us, it will be late Sunday night where we will have our full recap of all the games, including Sunday night football, Uh, between the Green Bay Packers and Minnesota Vikings. So thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, And until then, this is Dan Hansa signing off for The Quiet Storm. The mailman, the boss, and La Cid behind the glass. Till Sunday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.